could be that easy just to call out to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who not just can fix it all, but already has fixed it all. Amen. We just call upon his name. Amen. That's all we got to do. Call upon his name and we can be saved. Call upon his name and rescue is on the way. Amen. It might not always be the way that we think it should come or the, or, or, or the way we agree with, but rescue is on the way. And so we can just say, Jesus, I agree with what you're doing in my life. Father, I've called upon you. God, I've depended upon you. I've relied upon you. Now I agree with the process that you're taking me through. Amen? In the answers that you're revealing. All we have to do is call upon his name. Can we do that this morning? Can we just say Jesus? Jesus. Father, we call upon your name this morning. We depend upon you this morning. Father, we, we place a demand on your life because we know that there's not one good thing that dwells on the inside of any of us. It is only the life of Jesus. And that's what we depend upon. That's what we rely upon this morning. We cry out to Jesus and say, Father, have your way in every single one of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we give him a hand clap? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God is so good. Yeah, and I would like this down there. Hallelujah. Are you doing good this morning? What kind of week did you have? What kind of week did you have? Well, <laughs> I'm over here by pastor. He says, well, I've had better weeks. What kind of week did you have? And my question is, are you going to let your week get in the way of this morning. Amen? Are you going to let your week get in the way of what God has for you this morning? And how many of y'all have been guilty before? All of us, right? Just just uh, carry in the burden and the weight of our week and what's going on, and we come, and, and, and it's so easy to miss what God has for us because of the distractions and the discouragements that often come during the week. Amen. But thank God for strong ends. Amen. Those are the weekends. Believers call them strong ends. Amen. Every day is a strong end. Listen, Monday is just as good as Sunday. So don't gripe about it on Facebook tomorrow. You know, it, it's, a, it's just an honor and privilege to be a believer every single day. Every single day we can call upon the name of the Lord. Every single day. Last week, uh, I started a a message series, and uh, it was called Paradox. And it's, we're, we're talking about increase. We're still in our, uh, uh, our series, our, our uh, theme of Operation Increase, amen? And we're increasing the kingdom of God by telling them now, amen? We're, we're, we're telling people about Jesus every single day. We have the wonderful opportunity to share what God's done in us. And we're increasing in every area of our lives, amen? We've, we've, over the past few weeks, we've, uh, we've been able to stop and take a look at ourselves and say, what areas of my life could use some increase? Because God has increase, amen? We live in a kingdom of increase. We've just got to figure out how, a way to tap into it, amen? And so last week, I, I preached a message. It was called Paradox. 
And it's the biblical way to increase. Paradox. Paradox. Well, what is a paradox? A paradox is a statement that seems to contradict itself, but it reveals a deeper truth through its contradiction. And we went, that, that was what we spent the entire week on last week. So I am going to review, but if some of this doesn't make sense to you, I want to encourage you, go get, I can't re, reteach last week's message, uh, but go get on the podcast, go get a copy of the message, go listen to it, and it's going to make this week's message make a lot more sense. Amen? So paradox. The Bible's full of them. The Bible is full of them. Listen, it's a powerful tool that poets, playwrights, authors, and communicators use to reveal a deep truth. Paradox, these contradictory ways, paradox is the language of the kingdom. It's, it's, it's a backwards, upside-down way of thinking that contradicts every way that we've been taught to think since the day we were born. It's just messed up. Or maybe the way we were taught when we were born was messed up. <laughs> maybe the kingdom is right side up this entire time and we've been standing on our heads our whole lives. Right? Maybe we've been living in reverse and the kingdom has been going in forward. But whatever way it is, it's the opposite. It is, it is remember we talked about Os Oswald Chambers' uh, statement about how the Bible, the scripture, the truth, God's kingdom, God's ways are communicated to us in furious opposites. I mean, they're not even kind of going in the same direction. Right? Paradox is the language of the kingdom. It's the language of the kingdom. And, and I gave the example last week about how when I got a, a job at Jason's Deli, Y'all remember the example? And, and I was learning how to make sandwich, sandwiches, and, and they sent the ticket down, and it was a turkey sandwich, 86 tomatoes. And I looked at that ticket, and I went, bro, that's a lot of tomatoes. Why? Because I didn't speak the language of the restaurant. I didn't speak the language of that system, and their language seemed silly to me. Because when it said 86 tomatoes, I thought they wanted me to put 86 tomatoes on the sandwich. But what 86 means in the restaurant world, in the restaurant lingo, in the restaurant kingdom is cut. It means you don't want it. It means cut the tomatoes. Turkey sandwich, no tomatoes. But me, in my normal way of thinking everywhere else, 86 means 86. Right? In the kingdom's the same way. We look, at, we look at the things that Jesus taught. We look at the things that the preacher says. We, we look and, and, and our eyes cross. Like, what is he talking about? What could Jesus have possibly been talking about? The Bible is full of contradictory ideas that reveal God's ways to us. But we've learned, but we learned last week that we wouldn't understand those ways unless we understand the ways of the kingdom, which led us to the very first paradox. We only talked about one last week. We only talked about one, and if you can't get this one, then you will get none of them. Y'all remember what it was? Listen, a, a very first paradox that every single believer needs to know. And, and, and it was until we understand the paradox within the paradox that's raging on the inside of us, the contradictory ideas that exist within us, then we won't understand the contradictory ideas that Jesus tried to teach us. What is that 
paradox within. It's Galatians 5.16. It says, so I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Listen, for what the flesh desires is contrary to what the spirit desires. In the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh. Now here it comes. They are in conflict with each other. Flesh is running that way. Spirit is running that way. They do not agree with each other. They are in total, complete conflict with each other. And we learned last week that if we are trying to view the ways of the kingdom through the eyes of the flesh, it is going to seem, Christianity will seem stupid. It will seem silly. All these things that Jesus taught, the contradictory ideas, if you're looking at them through the eyes of the flesh, it will seem silly. But if you can look at them through the eyes of the Spirit, all of a sudden they will magically make complete and perfect sense. Complete and perfect sense. If we're not being led by the Spirit, the ways this kingdom seem dumb. So the truths that we're about to talk about, which always lead to increase, all God's crazy ideas always lead to increase. Kingdom ways always lead to increase in your life. But your flesh will lie to you and tell you no, that, that God is actually against you. He is actually trying to squash you down and destroy your life. And we went all the way back and looked at Eve, and that was the deception that Eve walked in that caused her to take the fruit. Caused her to take the fruit. Because the enemy convinced her through the eyes of her flesh that God was keeping something from her, that God didn't want her to increase. What a lie, right? So can we agree today as we look, and we're only going to look at a few. I've got like 10 of these things. We're going to talk about them next week too. Maybe, I don't know, unless pastor preaching. <laughs> Sorry, pastor. Um, but we're going we're to talk, we, I got like 10 of these things. You could talk about these things for the next year because they're the ways of the kingdom. They're, they're, they're the ways God works, Right? And so can we all agree that as, 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 as we journey out and look at some of these paradoxes, some of these contradictory ideas that are going to freak us out at first, that we will, we will uh, can we all agree that by faith we are not going to look at these ways of the kingdom through the eyes of our flesh, but through the eyes of our spirit. So in honor of that idea, I actually brought my eyes of the spirit. Because if I, look at, if I look at these ways that we're fixing to talk about through the eyes of my flesh, they're going to seem silly. But if I could put the eyes of the Spirit on, they're going to make total sense. Now, see, what the eyes of the flesh would say is that I actually look silly right now. Right? How many of y'all would agree with that? You're walking in the flesh. Because the things of the Spirit always seem silly to the things of the flesh, right? So whenever we look at these things, we are going to look at them through the eyes of the spirit. We are going to think like God thinks. We are going to walk in agreement with what God wants us to understand. Are y'all ready for the first paradox? We, we understand the paradox within. Now we are moving forward to the paradox without. The first one, and this is the most important one. If you don't get this one, you don't get the rest of them because it works in all the rest of them. And this one, have you put it up there yet? Did you spoil it? No. This one, serious, y'all, I, I, I still am not sure 
if, if I completely get these things. But we just talked about it last week. But I'm learning, right? But I am learning. I'm learning to walk in agreement with God's ways and quit looking at them through the eyes of my flesh because then they seem silly. So the first one is a tough one. And, 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 and this one doesn't get amens. And this one is not easy to preach. And because everything about in my flesh says that this one leads to decrease. But oh my God, does this lead to increase. First one is this. Death in the scripture, death always leads to life. How many did I lose? Death always leads to life. Right now would not be a good time to take up an offering. You know what I mean? How many are supercharged right now? Death always leads to life. Now, I've heard this kind of preaching for a lot of years. And uh, since I was born again, heard this kind of preaching. And uh, I, I have developed a way to actually almost tune out or zone out when I hear these kind of things. Because it bothers my flesh right? It irritates the snot out of it. Death is always the way to life. I'll never forget one of my favorite scriptures when I first got born again was uh, Philippians 3.10. And it's Paul crying out, God, I just want to know you. And I would quote that over and over and over. I would quote that. But, but in my Bible, I would actually cover up the second half of the sentence. And it said, partake in the fellowship of your suffering." I'm like, no, God, I want to know you. That sounds spiritual. That sounds like a good worship song. I want to know you. I want to see your face in fellowship and the partaking of your sufferings. Right? I wouldn't quote the second part because I didn't like it. It still irritates me. But in the kingdom, in the paradoxical way of the kingdom, death always leads to life. So actually, we want this. <laughs> like the real us. We want this. I promise you. Say amen. amen. <laughs> Don't say it for you. Say it for me. Listen, this sounds crazy because we have been taught since the moment we were born that death does not lead to life, but death is the end of life. But that's not so in the kingdom. The kingdom is flip side. The kingdom is right side up. And, and, and it only, only, only does that statement bring you joy if you've got these on. Oh, otherwise, you're like, I'm finding another church. Right? Or like, pastor, can we preach about life more than we do death? Actually, we can't because death in the kingdom is the way to life. You can't talk about life without talking about death. <sighs> Listen, John 10, 10, my favorite verses. John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He's all about death. And then Jesus said, one well, of my favorite verses. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. He doesn't even stop there. He moves on to abundant life. And I'm like, whoa! Send a shiver up my spine. 
help me, Jesus, abundant life. I might even name my church Abundant Life Church. Mm. Mm. Why? Because we love life. But there's another scripture in the Bible that teaches us. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. There's another scripture that teaches us how to tap into that abundant life. We know that he came to give it to us, but how do we get it? Here it comes. This is my least favorite verse in the Bible. (laughs) If I have these on. It's my favorite if I put these on. It says Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. (laughs) And I no longer live but Christ lives in me. I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I mean, sometimes I'm like, can we find another scripture? You know what I mean? Can we find another? Can we talk about John 10, 10 again? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This verse does not sound a lot like abundant life. It sounds like abundant death. How many are going to name your church Abundant Death Church? (laughs) We're we're going to have a church plant somewhere and watch nobody come. It sounds like abundant death. I have been crucified with Christ. I don't want to be crucified with Christ. That sounds like zero fun to me. Right? But you're all up in your flesh. I did not realize how all up in this stuff I really was. Until you actually get honest with yourself and you say, God, your word actually irritates me more than it excites me. Right? See, I spent too many years covering up halves of verses. And agreeing with the part that my flesh likes. (laughs) I don't even like saying the word flesh. Death is the way to life in the kingdom every single time. You don't get life without death. Romans 6, 4 through 8. It's it's so good. Crucified with Christ. Romans 6, 4 through 8. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. Wow. Hallelujah. (laughs) That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should also walk in newness of life. We love newness of life. But how did we get there? We were buried with him through baptism into death. Y'all, I am discovering that unless I partake in his death, in his burial, then I have no part in his resurrection. Oh, how many, what, I want newness of life. I want newness of life, right? For if we have been united together, verse five, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Certainly, this isn't a maybe. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That's so good. It's, it's the old man. It's the dead dude. He was already dead. 
Don't you understand? When, when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they died. And when they died, every single person after them died. And we were all spiritually dead. Just because you have breath in your lungs and life in your body does not mean you are living. It is a very good possibility that you are, like Amanda taught our, our, our youth the other night, the walking dead. Listen, like verse 6, oh, oh, verse 6, yeah. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might, sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Hallelujah. This is good. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Death is starting to sound better. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. How many of y'all know, this is, this is why Easter is so important. We don't serve a dead God. Jesus defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He is not dead. That means, that means, check this out. This is why Galatians 2.20 is so exciting. That means that if I am crucified with Christ, then I am certainly risen with him. Amen. So, so, so now, now like this question, how do I die? How do I die? Because if you're like me, you live this life of self-sacrifice. Right? You're like me. You're like, okay, you wake up in the morning. You're like, okay, Galatians 2.20. I got to die today. Stupid scripture that says I got to die daily. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to be the horrible person that I am. And I'm going to, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. Fine, I'll die to myself because you know I don't really want to go and I'll go to church. Self-sacrifice. That's what dying was to me. It was me crucifying myself, which stinks. It's miserable. It's a horrible way of living. You're like, I don't have any money, but I know I need to die to myself, so, so I'll give. Fine, I'll give. <sighs> Right? Isn't that the way we live? It's called self-sacrifice. But that's not the way God called us to live. This whole death thing, I don't even have to do it. <laughs> because he already did it. And just like, listen to me, did you have to die spiritually in order to be dead spiritually? Or did you come automatically like that? Why were you automatically like that? Amanda, help me. Why were you automatically like that? Because of Adam and Eve. She didn't have to do one thing to die spiritually because she was in Adam and Eve. And when they sinned, Amanda sinned. The same is with Jesus. I don't have to do anything to die except to have faith in and place my trust in what he has already done. Check this out. Whenever he died, he didn't just die, but he said, Colby, what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to take you and I'm going to put you in me. That way, when, you, when I die on the cross, you die. We don't even have to do our own dying. He did it for us. This, this is good news for me. 
Because I am tired of living the Christianity that says, okay, okay, like Terry was talking about, okay, I've got, I have to give now. This is going to be terrible, but I'm going to do it because I know I'm supposed to do it. I got to obey God, and the pastor probably won't like me if I don't give. God will probably be upset with me if I don't do this, so, so I'll make myself do it. Oh, God, help me. How many of y'all are tired of living that way? Two hands up. I am tired of living that way. I don't have to do this. How do, how do I die? That's what I'm asking God. Okay, God, if you want me to die, how do I do it then? Right? Show me some practical application. Because <laughs> I love practical application. I love it. Like, show, what do you mean? Show me. So it's okay. Read Galatians 2.20 again. It's like five. I'll read it again. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Check this out. It's not even me doing it. Check this out. And then, here's how you die. Are you ready? It says it in Galatians 2.20. The life I now live, this horrible life of death. The life I now live in the body while I'm here on this earth. I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Listen, here's how you die. You have faith that Jesus accomplished it all on that cross. That's how you die. You wake up and say, Father, I don't have to trudge through self-sacrifice today. Father, Today, I don't even have to die because you died for me. I was in you when you died that death. So today, I just, listen, here's what death is in the kingdom. I just live by faith that Jesus died for me and loves me, gave himself up for me, calls me his son, calls me his best, calls me his heir, supplies all my need, heals my body. Oh! How do I die? How do I die? I wake up in the morning and say, Father, thank you that I don't have to live this life that's impossible, but you live it in me and you live it through me. Father, I just have faith in you today. I can do nothing without you. I don't have to try. I don't have to connive. I don't have to work it. I don't have to impress. I don't have to lie. All I have to do is wake up and say, thank you for loving me and giving yourself for me. I'm your son. Hallelujah. Death is the way to life in the kingdom. And it's not slitting your wrist every single day. It's believing that his wrist was slit by faith and you were in him when it was slit. I'm, I'm, she, do I need to keep doing this? Because this is confusing to me too. This is a life of faith. This is a life of faith. These are the paradoxical ways of the kingdom. It's backwards. It's so weird when preachers stand up and they go, or you read this and you go, wait a minute. That sounds awful. That sounds awful. And he's saying it's really not that bad because I've already done it all for you. And then I put my life in you and all you have to do is believe and appropriate it by faith. This is a life of faith. 
Not a life of effort. Not a life of trying. Oh, we've all tried this for so long. But we have to go back. We have to go back to the, to the, to the first you've got to go back to the scene of the crime, Adam and Eve. And then you've got to go back to the scene of your deliverance, which was the cross. And know when it says, I am crucified with Christ, this isn't a self-sacrificing life. I heard about, heard about people in, in old times in order to try to get God's attention and God to love them that they, would, that they would crawl to confession, to go confess to the priest. They would crawl to confession on their hands and knees on broken glass in order to prove how much they loved God and how much they wanted to be forgiven. We laugh and we say that's insane, but we do that. Wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to get it today. It's already been God. It's already been God. You ain't got to get it. It's already been God. Gotten. God, none of this is good English. So, 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 so unless we understand the death to life thing, the, 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 the ways of the kingdom don't make sense. The ways of God don't make sense. We'll go to the next one. Y'all, y'all got death to life? It's okay if you don't have it because I'm still like, I, I, oh my God, I, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'm like this. I'm like death to life. Okay, I see it. Mm. I don't want to look at it like that. I want to look at it like this because that's more comfortable because that's the way I'm used to looking at it. I've looked at it like this for so long. Oh, okay, there it is again. Okay, I see it. I see it. I see it. <laughs> half spirit, half life. Those are the crazy. Those are crazy Christians. <laughs> We're like a pirate patch. <laughs> Death is the way to life. The second one is this is crazy. I got to put my glasses on just when I say it because otherwise I might miss it. Little is the way to big. Little is the way to big. These are kingdom ways. These, listen, listen, in, in the Bible, you always find giant inside of tiny. It is the way of God is the way of the kingdom. You always find huge, 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 no Democrats laugh at all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's a joke. <laughs> too soon? Cute. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. <clears throat> yeah, here we go. Get out of the flesh. Um, little is the way to big. It's the way to big. That's what Scripture says. Isn't it cool when you can say, this is what the Bible says, that you don't have to make this stuff up? Matthew 13, 31, Jesus told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch on its branches. I've told you this story before, um, but this verse means so much to me because when I first got born again, I went to Bible school immediately. I mean, I didn't know 
I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. Serious. I mean, I, I was so frustrated with not knowing the, the ways and things of God, I took a children's Bible that Pastor Jan had, and I would secretly read through this children's Bible just so I could try to get a basic grasp on the, the, <clears throat> the Word of God. I, I was so messed up in, in the Word of God, and I just didn't know a lot, and that's okay, Right? Every, you got to start somewhere. I had ignored my youth pastors for years. It wasn't their fault that they weren't teaching it. It was my fault because I had my ears plugged. And so finally, I get born again. I, I go to Bible school, and, and I walk into Bible school, and in my mind, there were all these, like, spiritual giants there. Just like these guys were, like, youth group kids, pastor's kids. They were all like Rachel. Right? They knew everything. They, they, were, they were awesome, unbelievable people. And so I'll never forget being like so discouraged. I was so discouraged because I felt so small and so insignificant. Like I didn't know anything. And I got a letter in the mail one day. It was from my sister. And she said, Colby, I don't know why I'm doing this. I just want to let you know I love you. I'm praying for you. And she said, God told me to give you this verse. And it was this verse. And, 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 I, and I read it because I had been feeling so small and so insignificant. And the Lord showed me and the Lord spoke to me and he said, there's a tree on the inside of you. There's a tree on the inside of you and it won't just be big enough for you, but it will be big enough for the lost and the hurting and the lame and the broken to come and perch in its branches. And I didn't believe it then. But I said, fine, God, I will stick with this thing and we'll see what you really got. Because it made no sense to me. Because I was the smallest spiritual person that you could possibly imagine. How could anything great come from my life? Because big is always inside of little. Big is always inside of of little just because you don't look like much now. Where's Nathan? Nathan, you awake? Let me, let me tell him. Just because you don't look like much now doesn't mean that there's not something giant on the inside of you. We've been telling Nathan that since he was how old, Pastor? How old were you, Nathan? Maybe 10, 9? Pastor almost hit him on the bus. See, God spared your life for something, son. <laughs> Listen, just because you don't look like much right now. See, that's what we do. We walk around and we look at everybody and we look at them after the eyes of our flesh. But God's saying, no, 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 no. Big is always inside of little. Listen to Matthew 13, 30. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. If you're from Texas, you have no clue what a mustard seed looks like. How many of y'all got a visual on that? You're like, a mustard seed. Nope, never seen one of those. So I'm preaching to Texans. Are we Texans? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeehaw. So I'm going to show you a Texan seed. Because maybe we'll get this. Anybody know what this is? 
for, 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 for all you uneducated hicks that say it wrong, you uneducated people, y'all call them acorns. What kind of hick says that? This is an acorn. This is an acorn. And if you live in Texas, you know what an acorn is. You know where these come from. Somebody tell me where do acorns come from? What kind of seed is this? This is a live oak seed. I love live oaks. Right in the front of our property is one of the biggest ones you'll ever see. And Rachel's grandparents, they have one of the biggest live oak trees you've ever seen in your life. It's like 10 million years old. They counted the rings. How can you tell how old the tree is? And so, every year, a live oak tree has seeds called acorns. And within this seed is the capability to become the tree that's on the corner of our property. Is that crazy? There is the genetic makeup inside of this seed. I ain't got no deer coming to my feeder right now because they're eating acorn seeds or oak tree seeds. Inside of this seed is the capability to become a mighty, Scripture even says it, mighty oak. In the seed. Why? Because it's a kingdom principle. God always places huge inside of tiny. Why? Just to trip the world out. Just to show it's not their way. Just, just to show that he's God. He can do it if he wants to. But do you know what your flesh says? See, I put these on and I'm thinking, oak tree, baby. Oak tree. <laughs> but if I take these off, I see a seed. I see a seed. And most of us in our flesh, we see ourselves as this. We see those impossible situations, those impossible people as this. And so you know what we do? In order to feel good about this, we start fixing this up. We start fixing this bad boy up. We brush its hair. We brush its teeth. We, 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 we uh, put makeup on it. Nothing wrong with any of this stuff. Brush your teeth. It's okay. But we spend our entire lives trying to become a better acorn instead of realizing what's on the inside of us. Now listen, you've got to understand the law of the acorn is there will always be more acorns than oak trees. There's always more acorns than oak trees. So, you know what some of us do? We become oak trees. But because oak trees are just not found in abundance... 
we'll be satisfied with living our lives with acorns. We join ourselves to acorns. And we can see their potential. But they still believe that this is all about being an acorn. And now you're living a life of frustration because you're an oak tree joined with an acorn. All the single ladies, can I preach to you this morning? All the single ladies, all the single ladies. There are more acorns than there are oak trees. But I would challenge you to trust God for an oak tree. Amen? All you high school young men and women that are acting like the deer in my neighborhood right now. First, I would like to say, calm down. Take a deep breath. I don't care how good looking that acorn is. If he cannot realize what he is without you, then he will not realize what he is with you. And you you see, this, this encourages me And this should encourage you because, see, a lot of us deal with all these self-esteem issues and I'm nobody and I'm nothing. And praise the Lord. Thank God we finally figured it out. We are just a bunch of stinking acorns. But when we place our life in Christ and we are crucified in Christ, now we are buried with Christ in the ground and what comes up is not an acorn. It's an oak tree. But these are the ways, these are the ways, I brought an extra one because I knew I'd drop them. These are the ways of the kingdom. And the world says you got to be as big as you can in order to be as big as you can but it's just not true. God says, no, no, no. I put giant inside of, I put significant inside of insignificant. I don't do things the way you do things. I don't look at things the way you look at things. But I'll tell you what I gave you. If you ever want to see things the way I see things, I gave you something called the Holy Spirit. He'll be your teacher, your helper, your advocate, your comforter. If you will allow him to peer through your eyes, you will begin to see that you are so much more than this. You're so much more than this. You see, I look in the scripture and I see God show up to the least In in an entire nation, a man named Gideon, and he looks at him and he does not say, hi, man, least in the entire nation. But he says, hey, mighty man of valor. It even shocked Gideon. Gideon's like, who are you talking to? I am not a mighty man of valor. He says, I know you think you're an acorn, but I see an oak tree. You see, that's why God, when Gideon got his army together with 30,000 men to fight an army of 135,000, it already wasn't fair. Gideon, God said, no, no, you got too many people. Your army is too big because big doesn't defeat big in the kingdom of God. 
And Gideon says, okay, God, I'll cut out 20,000 people and we'll defeat an army of 135,000 with 10,000 people. It'll be a feat that has never been accomplished before. And God says, it's still too big. He said, Gideon, I'll let you have 300 men. And 300 men defeated an army of 135,000. Why? Because big is always inside of little. See, I look in the Bible and I say, how in the world can the seed that would save the world, the greatest man that ever walked the face of the earth, the savior of the world, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, how in the world can that seed pass through a prostitute? Because big is always inside of little. Amen? Her name was Rahab. I look in my Bible and I say, how can an untrained boy defeat a trained giant? Because big is always inside a little. I look in my Bible and say, how can a man, a simple, common man, be thrown into a den of lions and survive? Because those lions that day met the lion of the tribe of Judah. There was a bigger lion on the inside of David than they could throw at David. I look in my Bible and I see three young men that are thrown into a furnace that's turned up seven times hotter. The fire was supposedly bigger than them, but Nebuchadnezzar found out that the fire within them was greater than the fire without them because big is always inside of little. Quit looking at your life the way it is and understand that if you will be crucified with Christ and be buried, then something can finally die. Scripture says, except a a kernel of wheat fall on the ground and die, it can't accomplish its purpose. Big is always inside of little. And I think about us, common people like Rodney and Deborah, Angie, Anybody? pastor, common people, regular people. And you would think just the, the remnant church, how significant could it possibly be? Just regular old common folk. And I think about what's on the inside of us. The Bible says the same spirit that pulled Jesus out of that grave is what lives on the inside of us. That is bigger than I could possibly even communicate with human words. How significant could a little church be in God's plan? Well, I don't know. Will that church be crucified along with their Savior? Will that church be willing to be buried to their will and their ideas and their thinking? And will that church be willing to die to itself and rise again in newness of life and let the world see what a believer really looks like? Big is always inside of little. Death is the way to life. Big is always inside of little. They don't make sense to your natural eyes. But isn't it cool that he's given us another set of eyes to live by? We can make sense of all this if we can begin. Listen, that's why it's so important to have a relationship with God. To spend time with him. Get to know him. 
This was so important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of what the Holy Spirit has for you. Gosh, I used to sit there and think of all the things that God was going to take from my life. I had a girlfriend. I was 17 years old, and I had a girlfriend. And I would sit there and think, if I get saved, she'll break up with me. And I'll lose the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's funny now. Because I got saved, and she broke up with me. And then I found the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Too bad the kids are coming home from camp today. I should have said that yesterday. Can we give Jesus a hand clap for his ways? His ways? Thank you, God, for your ways. Thank you, Lord, for your ways. I'm through preaching. I didn't do this last week, and and I I felt bad that I didn't do it because we always like to give people an opportunity to know Jesus, to know Jesus in a personal way, in a personal way, and, and to, to, to allow them to make Jesus, uh, like, like our Bible study has been teaching us, not just Savior of their lives, but Lord of their lives. A true direction change, a true change of the guard in your life. And see, you, you know when it's time to do that. It's, it's always time to do that. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, today is the day, now is the time. It's always time to do that, but sometimes you've got to get to the end of your own ways. You've got to realize that everything you've been trying is not working anymore. Sometimes it works for a while, but all those things that, that, that you've been doing and trying, maybe they're not working anymore. And, and if you've never surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and see, this isn't just about, about you say, well, I realize today that I'm this acorn. And this isn't just about being a saved acorn, because there are saved acorns. You can get born again and, 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 and squeak into heaven and look just like this. But this is not the life that I'm inviting people to today. I'm inviting people to an oak tree life, to a life that's crucified with Christ, to a life that says, I surrender my heart and my life. I give up control. Father, I am yours. This isn't, listen, it's great to know that if you died, you would go to heaven. It's so important that you make it to heaven. But I believe that if you can surrender your life, you'll do more than make it to heaven. You can become all that God has called you to be and make a great impact on the kingdom. Today, if you've never received Jesus in that kind of way, if you died, you don't know we would go to heaven. And you say, I want to be the oak tree that God has called me to be. I'm tired of fixing this thing up and making it look good. I want to become who he's called me to be. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand right up in the air. Anybody in here? See, if I died today, I am not sure if I would meet Jesus. What a great opportunity. Everybody in here knows. You're sure. You say, man, you're taking a long time. That's okay. It's important. 
so important. So important that you know who your God is and that your God has an opportunity to do something great in your life. Anybody? Now, now there's some people in here today, and, and I don't want to do a specific altar call, but, but I want to give you a chance to tell God, I agree with your ways. I want to give you a chance to say, God, I am tired of living Christianity through the eyes of my flesh. Father, I want to live this your way. I want to speak the ways, uh, I'm going to speak the language of the kingdom, and that's backwards to the ways, to the language of the world. Father, I, I agree with your way of living. There's some people in here that need to tell God that this morning. You need to remind your flesh who is in charge. It's Jesus. Today, if you, you, you want to say that, you want to make that proclamation, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. Father, I agree with your way of living. I agree with your way of living, with your idea of real life, not this world's. If that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I surrender. Lord, I receive Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. I don't have to kill myself. I was crucified on the cross when you were crucified on the cross. So today I live by faith in what you've already accomplished. Live it in me and live it through me. I agree with your ways in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. I want to...